Well, when you hear that, that's college football marching band music. I'm Jay Binkley. This is Rush the Field, producing Julio Sanchez. A lot to talk about tonight with college football. Some interesting developments, and we'll go through a lot of them. It's uh, COVID's hit the college football world, and we'll talk about that more as we go through. But uh, first, just look at this past weekend with the local teams. How about Kansas State? 21-14 victory over TCU. Three in a row now with Kansas State. And uh, they, they beat OU on the road. Texas Tech was coming off 56 points. Against Texas, taking them to overtime. Kansas State beats them the following week. Then TCU, fresh off a Texas win, which they had, have now won six of the last seven against Texas. But it was 21-7 Kansas State when A.J. Parker took one to the house, making it 21-7. TCU did come back and score, and the game ended up 21-14. Great defensive battle. We haven't seen a lot of defense played in college football this year. But that was interesting. Will Howard, by the way, the true freshman quarterback in for the injured Skylar Thompson. Skylar Thompson, the quarterback out of Fort Osage High School in Kansas City, the Simone Trophy winner, uh, hurt for the year. He's a senior. And, of course, guys get that extra year of eligibility. So is he coming back or not? But at this point, they're going with the true freshman, Will Howard, who's the Big 12 newcomer of the week. Now, the interesting thing about that is and why the sky is looking so blue for the Kansas State Wildcats, true freshman, Deuce Vaughn. The outstanding running back slash receiver for him that plays in the backfield, but he's a tremendous receiver out of the backfield. Won the Big 12 Newcomer of the Week the previous two weeks before Kansas State did. A.J. Parker is the nickel corner for Kansas State, the Big 12 Defensive Player of the Week. A.J. Parker also the Jim Thorpe Player of the Week. And the awards keep coming for Kansas State. Will Howard, actually, is an interesting story. He's 6'4", 230 pounds, all right? He's a big cat, and he took off on this game, on this run. 80-yard run for the big fella. Look at Howard go. A page from Duggan. Running out of gas, he needs a block. Finally chased down at the 16-yard line. That was Will Howard. Did not score there, but 80-yard run by the true freshman Will Howard. And I like to look at where these guys were on 247 Sports and ESPN recruiting and how many stars, how many teams were looking at them. I think it's interesting. It's just like Mark Mariota when he won the Heisman at Oregon. Only two schools wanted him. It was like Memphis and Oregon. That was it. His only offers. I love to look at offers and where they're going. ESPN had him as a dual threat. Keep this in mind. I think they're a little bit, little bit fooled how fast he is. 247 had him as a pro-style quarterback. Regardless, he's a big cat that can run. And he's a true freshman for Kansas State. Kansas State with the bye week this week. So the awards keep rolling in. Kansas State looked exceptional. This was uh, Coach Kleiman after the win via K-State Twitter. Fellas, it is hard to beat a team that refuses to lose. Yeah. Sir, yeah. it is hard to beat a team that says, we ain't going to lose. I don't care who's in. I don't care who's out. I don't care what adversity we have. If you believe, if you believe in each other, if you believe in what we're doing, nobody can beat your ass. You keep playing with the damn chip on your shoulder. You keep practicing with the chip on your shoulder. You keep doing everything on the field, off the field, with a chip on your shoulder. That's what great teams are made of, guys. That's why the guy has four national titles at North Dakota State. That's why that guy got a contract extension through 2026 
Big 12, Kansas State in very good hands. Kansas State, challenge for the Big 12. We'll talk to John Kurtz all about Kansas State, our Kansas State insider, next. Now in the middle of Missouri, Mizzou, 45 LSU 41. Stopped four straight times at the goal line was LSU. We'll talk to Gary Pinkle about that That stop. It was a back-and-forth game. It was an offensive showdown. Again, nobody in the SEC played defense. The average margin, the average score in the big SEC last weekend was 33 points a game. In the team that's known for scoring, Mississippi State because of KG Costello. In the air raid of Mike Leach, two points. That was the insane thing, and Mississippi State obviously beat LSU. Week one, LSU, yeah, that was depleted. This game moved to Columbia, Missouri. It was going to be a night game in Baton Rouge, but because of Hurricane Delta, they had moved this game to Columbia, Missouri. And you really started to see Eli Drinkwitz and some of the creativity on offense that Missouri was using. Keep in mind, they got hit by COVID. Three of the top receivers were out of this game for Missouri. So you got the redshirt freshman quarterback that does have an extra year of eligibility, so technically he's a true freshman because of the new rules, making his first start this year. He drove me nuts, by the way, Julio, when I'm watching Scott Van Pelt and ESPN. They kept saying the freshman's first start, and they hammered that like three or four times, and I heard it everywhere. The first start, no, that's not true. His first start was last year at the against Arkansas. He's a redshirt freshman. was not his first start this year, but not his first career start, but he was amazing. 29-34 passing over 400 yards and four touchdowns. Connor Bazelak was absolutely tremendous. This LSU team they beat, still LSU. But, man, they couldn't run the football. They really missed Clay Edwards-Hilaire in that uh, in Joe Burrow. I mean, this team, my Miles Brennan threw for like 450 yards of their quarterback they have now. But still, is back and forth, but Mizzou is matching them. You know, so you have the pressure of not having three of your top receivers. You've got the pressure of making your first start this season against the defending national champions. Yes, LSU was decimated by the NFL draft. 14 players drafted from LSU the most since 2004 in Ohio State. But Missouri, they were going to play Vanderbilt this week. And they would have waxed them. It was going to be a home game, but Vanderbilt has COVID. They don't have the maximum 56 guys, scholarship players, which they have the choice to play or not play. Actually, 53, man. The SEC stated at least 53 scholarship players must be available to participate in the game. Minimum number of scholarship players required for some positions include one quarterback, seven offensive linemen, including one center and four defensive linemen. That caveat's interesting because what if your one quarterback gets hurt? The news here. But you have the chance, to, you have the choice to play. But if you don't play, they'll just postpone it like they did this uh, Vanderbilt game. That was the first game canceled in the SEC. And then Florida is canceled this week against LSU because of COVID problems at Florida. Florida is Missouri's next opponent because Vanderbilt's postponed Florida. So will Missouri have two games in a row that are off? That's the question to, to, to watch. But uh, Connor Bazelak is the Davey O'Brien National Quarterback of the Week. Nick Bolton on defense, tremendous linebacker, best linebacker in the country. The Bronco Nagurski Defensive Player of the Week. So Missouri, Kansas State racking up the awards for Missouri. And Connor Bazelak was simply amazing in this game. Bazelak takes the snap, looking right, out of the backfield. Beatty inside the hash marks to the 15, to the 10, to the house. Touchdown, Missouri. I mean, this guy. Pitch it back, round tree to Bazelak. Flea Flicker got a man open left side. Dub makes the reception, shuts a tackle. Touchdown, Missouri. And this gave Missouri the 45-41 lead. Bazelak brings Beatty in motion back to the left side. Fakes a hand off him. Got a man open. Nico Hay makes the reception. 
Touchdown, Missouri. And Mizzou's got the lead. So good stuff for Missouri. They beat LSU, and I get it. You said LSU has two losses now. Yeah, one was to Missouri. Again, it's still LSU. It's still Ed Orgeron. Go Tigers. Go Tigers. So anyway, it was a good win for Eli Drink. What's a great win for Connor Basilek, getting that confidence going forward big time for Mizzou. As far as Kansas is concerned, they had the bye week, and it came at a good time because Les Miles had COVID. Now, it looks like Les Miles still going to coach this weekend. So we'll see what happens with Kansas as they play West Virginia this weekend. And then the following weekend, the Sunflower Showdown, Kansas and Kansas State. By the way, Kansas fans, this is the uh, big noon kickoff. This is Gus Johnson that will be calling Kansas-West Virginia this weekend. So it's the only local team playing. Missouri's not playing. Kansas State's not playing. Big noon kickoff. You can watch Kansas against West Virginia. Looks like West Miles will be there. West Virginia 2-1 and one at this point. By the way, as far as news and notes, according to Brett McMurphy, all 127 because 127, 130 teams playing. New Mexico State's not playing. Old Dominion's not playing. And these, these, these independents aren't playing in this game. But get this. They said the NCAA officially approves no win requirements to play in a bowl. That means Kansas, without any wins, you could get in a bowl game. However, 39 bowls this year. That's only 78 teams that will get into a bowl game. So don't count your chickens before they hatch. Other college news, Nick Saban. Greg Byrne, the athletic director at Alabama, tested positive. Nick's going to be on the horn on Zoom right up until kickoff. And then they got to shut it down. He can't talk to him. I mean, I was kind of hoping they'd let coaches, you know, I wanted to see Nick Saban against Georgia. It's the best game of the weekend. Coach from the recliner. Get the first top five win ever coaching from the recliner, but we're not going to see it. Other news and notes. This is interesting, Julio. Pittsburgh University lost to Boston College 31-30. to Get this. They have a kicker there, there named Alex, Kess- Alex Kessman at Pitt. He missed two field goals earlier in that game, right? They tried him out there to give to overtime. He kicked a school record 58-yarder to send the game in an OT. That's cool, right? School record, 58-yarder. He's missed two field goals. Got his confidence back. He then mixed an extra point at the end of the game. In overtime, Boston College wins 31-30. So, that's what you have. Top five games this weekend. Not great on the college football slate. The best game by far. 230 on CBS. Number three, Georgia. It does play defense against number two, Alabama in Tuscaloosa. A&M, Mississippi State. That's just to, to watch Mike Leach in the air raid, 3 o'clock ESPN. Clemson, number one team in the country. They're Georgia Tech. Georgia Tech's 2-2. Two two. 11 a.m. on ABC, but it's still watching Clemson and ETN and, and Trevor Lawrence, so they are fun to watch. But anyway, not a lot of good games this weekend. Other news and notes. I did find this interesting from Nick Saban that was asked a question from Dennis Dodd. Nick, I know you probably weren't happy with your defense today, but it's, it's happening all over in college football. Today, the, an average SEC team gave up 33 points in its game. Is, is it time to maybe just evaluate what playing good defense means, you know, numerically, statistically? Well, I, I think there's a lot of advantages to the offense. You know, the quarterback runs a quarterback brawl. You know, their offensive line's blocking a running play, and then they throw a pop pass to the tight end. Um, and I don't know if there's anybody downfield or not. Um, you know, it's just hard to play RPOs. 
Every time you play middle of the field coverage, they run RPOs, so they run slants, bang, bang plays, but they're 10 yard plays. Uh, they try to play other things to take that away, and it's hard to stop the run. Um, so I think the offense um, that we have in college football, you know, right now, is very, very difficult to defend. Um, not any old-fashioned offense. Um, it's spread. Uh, lots of lots of very difficult plays to defend, and um, you know, so we have to score a lot of points if we're going to win. But we have to play better on defense too. See, I thought that was interesting, Julio, because the SEC for a long time, people were saying, hey, look at the Big 12 laugh. They're laughing at the defenses. That was the SEC this weekend. There was 117 points scored in that Alabama Ole Miss game. SEC record in points and yardage, over 1,300 total yards in that game. But it's right. If you college football, if you like arena, it's arena football. It's back and forth, a lot of offenses. I did mention K-State in a good defensive game with TCU. But the NFL is infiltrated with college football schemes. The RPO systems, like Andy Reid runs a lot of Texas Tech. There was question about Mahomes. Could he work out in the NFL or not because it was an air raid system? The NFL is all about college football right now, and it's extremely – there's Nick Saban, the brightest defensive mind in college football that can't stop anybody. It's a problem. I'll talk to Gary Pinkle about that question in particular at 8.30 tonight. But coming up next, our Kansas State insider, John Kurtz from K-Man in Manhattan. Listening to Rush the Field with Jay Binkley, 610 Sports Radio. Let's go to Manhattan, Kansas. Talk to John Kurtz at JL Kurtz on Twitter. Of course, he is faithful to our Colors podcast on the 435 Podcast Network, and he works at K Man in Manhattan. Good evening, John. Hey, Jay, what's up, man? You know what? You know what's up? The Kansas State Wildcats, to keep racking in the awards. What we had Deuce Vaughn win Newcomer Week, uh, back-to-back the previous couple weeks. This week, it's Will Howard, the quarterback. Got A.J. Parker uh, winning awards, Big 12, the Defensive Player of the Week. Uh, the Thorpe Award for the Best Defensive Player Award. I mean, the awards just keep coming to Kansas State with this uh, three-game streak they've got rolling. Yeah, it, it, it's been nice, I will say. You know, it helps. Some of these weeks uh, with a lighter schedule in the Big 12, you know, and there's not as much competition to win those awards, but uh, yeah. A.J. will definitely take it. And not that those guys aren't deserving. I mean, A.J. Parker, for instance, you bring him up, he hasn't probably gotten the name recognition that a lot of guys on this team have, but he's been awesome this year and has done so while moving from quarter to nickel. That's really what's helped him out when they had to go to Oklahoma with a revamp secondary. They said, hey, let's, Let's put you at nickel, and he was K-State's number one corner, but he's a more natural fit at nickel, and he had the big six, obviously, against TCU. Uh, he's been fantastic, and I think he's played his way into uh, an NFL future this year. Yeah, and he's a completely unselfish guy because, you know, here's a guy that played nickel, then he was corner for a while, then back to nickel, so very unselfish in his play at Kansas State. But, yeah, that uh, 37-yard interception return by A.J. Parker, really the difference in this game. That put Kansas State up 21-7. to uh, TCU would score again. But what a great defensive game as we saw, you know, so many offensive explosions and like the SEC and the rest of college football. But this was, this was a hard-fought win if you watch this. I mean, the gritty performance by TCU, as Coach Kleiman said after the game, you know, they're going to fight you to the end. And they did. Max Duggan, an extremely tough quarterback uh, for 
for uh, TCU, and I, I thought this was just a defensive gym. It was, man. I, you know, Gary Patterson. I obviously respect the heck out of his defensive acumen, but the guy who really shined on Saturday was Joe Klanderman, K State's defensive coordinator, with the job they did against TCU. Because I think it's easy to write TCU off as, oh, you know, that's a team that's not very good offensively, and. Ever since the days of Trayvon Boykin and, to a lesser extent, Kenny Hill, they haven't been very good offensively. But this year when Max Duggan had been playing, they actually had been really effective offensively. Uh, he did not play the first half of their opening loss to Iowa State. He comes in at halftime. They have seven points. They wind up scoring 34 in the game. Now, there was a pick six involved there, but still, they scored 20 points in the second half of him there. Then they went to Texas and put up 33 on Texas with Duggan at quarterback, and he looked awesome. So it, it feels like Duggan's really started to come into his own, and I know TCU really felt like that going into that game. But K-State not only beat him up physically, but beat him up mentally. I mean, he just seemed like a broken uh, down quarterback by the end of that game and was afraid to try and take deep shots because of the pressure K-State was getting on him. Um, that's as good a defensive performance as I can remember K-State having in a long, long time just in terms of being dominant all across the board. Well, in the K-State defense, I mean, you look at it, they did give up 35 points to Arkansas State. Then they give up 35 points to Oklahoma. I get it. Oklahoma's going to get their points. Uh, Texas Tech was, you know, coming off a shootout with Texas where they scored 56 points and lost. And Kansas State limits them to 21 points, then TCU to 14 points. So, yeah, credit to this Kansas State defense and what they've been doing on the offensive side of the ball, John. Uh, see new blood. And, again, I talk about these young, talented freshmen for Kansas State and kind of the future of that program, Deuce Vaughn true freshman and then you have will howard the highly touted quarterback that i i, I texted you during the game because i was having fun with it because espn enlisted him as a dual threat and and uh 247 had him as a pro style and the reason i sent that because he takes off and runs for 80 yards at his size <laughs> well i i laughed because it was uh, i appreciated that text that it was a <laughs> it was just funny watching it run that far. I didn't know that he had it in him, to be honest, because watching the game before against Texas Tech, one thing that jumps off the page immediately is he just he didn't he doesn't have quite the burst that Skylar Thompson does. Like Skylar Thompson's pretty quick and can really accelerate fast through a hole when the pocket is breaking down. Will Howard is more of a lumbering kind of guy, but once he got up to top speed, I mean he was he was a little faster than I thought, so I could understand you know, some of the dual threat that was thrown onto him coming out of high school by some. And I think some of that, too, is what I had heard was his offensive line in Downingtown, Pennsylvania, was not very good. So he was having to run for his life quite a bit on, on film and make a lot of plays on the run, which honestly should, should serve him well as he moves forward in his career. But that was a giant play. I mean, he'll also tell you, I'm sure, if you asked him, that what mattered more than the 80-yard run was the fact that he stumbled when he had a wide-open first down to ice the game on oh. on third and one. The turf monster totally got him. But uh, I think there's some potential there to be able to at least use his legs some. I don't think he'll ever be the, the dual threat that Skylar Thompson is, but he's at least a, a threat enough that they can use some of their read option game with him. Absolutely. You see 6'4", 230 pounds, and oftentimes, you know, those quarterbacks are statues you know, back in that pocket, but he's got that loose. I'm glad you brought up that play. Yeah, I mean, you know, TCU did have their chance at the end of the game. I mean, Kansas State could have iced that game away. It was a great play call, and he was going to pick up the first down and then just kind of fell. I am very glad that Kansas State won this game. I would hate to see TCU come back and send that the overtime 
because of a game that should have been over. Yeah, it was. It kills you because it was a great play call, and Will Howard did the hard part. He made the correct read on the on the read option play yeah. I mean, to perfection. Got TCU totally crashing down on Deuce Vaughn there, and it was wide open for him, and it didn't work out. But I, in case they made it really hard on themselves at the end in a couple of areas because Wyatt Hubert's roughing the passer call after the, the Hail Mary wound up nowhere near being complete at the end of the game, too, gave TCU another shot there. It was you were really biting your nails and kind of waiting for the other shoe to drop based on some of those things happening. But uh, for K-State's sake, thank goodness that uh, didn't come to fruition. In Deuce Vaughn, we've talked so much about him this year. 14 carries to 43 yards. He would have been the team's leading rusher if it wasn't for that 80-yard run by Will Howard. But he was also the leading receiver. Just one catch, but 45 yards. Just the propensity for the big play with Deuce Vaughn. I mean, yeah, TCU was doing a good job of bottling up, but... You know, when you have a, add a 45-yard catch and, you know, just the threat of the way the defense kind of has to always be conscious about Deuce Vaughn, I feel that his, his effectiveness is not only when he plays, but when he's not playing as well, when he's not getting the ball, out there playing because of the defense attention to him. Yeah, the, there's no doubt about it. I mean, he's the number one guy on the scouting report right now, and TCU did a pretty good job of taking him away for the most part, but... What he's proving is even if you do take him away from game, he'll find a way to create a splash play or two. And the the 45-yard reception he had that you mentioned, I mean, was a heck of a play, similar to the play at the end of the Texas Tech game where the ball's thrown a little bit behind him and just on the run, he makes a great adjustment, spins around, catches it, and then takes off. And I thought the most impressive play of the game for him shows why he's a complete back already right now. And that is, he's even at his size, like 5'5", a buck 75. He is sturdy and strong, and he came up with a play on K-State's final drive that I think we'd talk about more had Will Howard not slipped and fell and K-State ices the game with that drive. But on the first play of that drive, first and 10, TCU has all the momentum. You need a couple of first downs to kill the clock, and he is stopped dead to right three yards deep in the backfield. Bounces off a couple of tacklers, honestly looked a lot like a Clyde Edwards-Alaire run, and turns it into an eight-yard gain instead of a three-yard loss. And it's that's the kind of play that really sticks out to me. We know he has the speed and explosiveness, but he's sturdy enough and shifty enough to, to make plays like that. Like That's big time, and that is one thing to me that really gives me hope for where he's headed in the future. So a bye week this week, of course, uh, no Chris Kleiman show that uh, was it was on earlier. It wasn't on earlier today because of the bye week. Uh, next up, uh, the Sunflower Showdown, Kansas in Manhattan on the 24th, and you know, rivalries are rivalries, but once again, you know, I think both coaches really want to win this game. And, you know, it's, you know, I know Kansas is not off to a great year, but let's be honest. Kansas State's facing a team that would make, this is KU Super Bowl, if they were to win this game against Kansas State. So you always have to be conscious because the Jayhawks will always have that one game a year. Yeah, I, I'm with you. And I, I think last year was such a statement for K-State to go in and beat KU the way that they did, 38-10. to 10. Ian Lawrence after the miles to go thing and who is K-State and all of that. I mean, I think it was a major statement, and you, you just don't want to give them any room to breathe at all. And, uh, you know, a couple things I wonder about during the bye week and think about. One, you know, we're seeing COVID start to become more of an issue, it yeah. seems like, over the last few weeks, just in college and the NFL, and now you have a bye week, okay? So I'm not sure exactly how much time off they gave these guys, but were you able to stay disciplined enough and do the things that you need to do to make sure that the tests aren't going to spike out of control next week? That's one thing. And the other is just it is Will Howard, still a young quarterback, making a start against Kansas. Um, 
you know, there's always – I just – I would not, frankly, be very worried about this game at all if Skylar Thompson were the quarterback, and I still believe in, in Will Howard, but unfortunately with Skylar out for the year now, he's still a young quarterback, and you know there's probably going to be a game where some big-time mistakes come back to hurt him. I, I just think it's a lot to expect a true freshman quarterback to go through the year and not have that happen. So you just really hope that doesn't happen against Kansas. The positive here is he has a lot of extra time to learn the offense in case they can really work with him over the bye week. I think the bye came at a great time in K-State season when you know now that Skyler isn't going to be here for the rest of the year, and it's all about just, hey, work with Will Howard and make sure that you get him completely ingrained in what you're doing and develop some more wrinkles in the offense this week when you don't have to work so much about game planning for a specific team. It can be more about just getting Will ready for whatever it is you need him to handle. Yeah, I'm excited for it. A few more weeks. Of course, you have West Virginia after Kansas. They're 1-1 one and one now. Then the fun stuff, Iowa State and Oklahoma State. We're talking about some of the undefeated teams in the Big 12, so a lot of fun uh, around the corner. Yeah, I mean, K-State's schedule gets real, real fast after yeah. after Kansas and West Virginia, but the nice thing there is, hey, if you have a true freshman quarterback in this team that is trying to find itself under a new leader now, if all of a sudden you're 5-0, and and it, it will not be easy to win at West Virginia. That's been a tricky for K-State and a tricky team for K-State to play. See, last year when K-State lost to a team they should have beaten in West Virginia. But very winnable, certainly. And if you have that team believing in itself at 5-0 and now with Will Howard having three straight starts and three straight wins under his belt, well, now your confidence is riding high as you go to play Oklahoma State and Iowa State. So sometimes we see teams really take off with that. That can give you an extra boost. And if that happens, I mean, you absolutely have to consider K-State a threat to get to Arlington in the Big 12 championship game. John Kurtz, you're the best. John Kurtz, K-Man in Manhattan, eight, at JL Kurtz on Twitter. He is everything K-State. John, always appreciate the time. Thank you, sir. Hey, always enjoy it, Jay. Take care, man. It was John Kurtz taking a look at Kansas State. Coming up next, we'll take a look at a Missouri with the all-time wins leader, Coach Gary Pinkle, next. You're listening to Rush the Field with Jay Binkley, 610 Sports Radio. Welcome back to Rush the Field. Time to talk Missouri Tigers each week with the, the former coach, Coach Gary Pinkle, the all-time wins leader at Missouri and Toledo, and of course has a great book out on, I know you guys might be out Christmas shopping now at this point, but uh, GaryPinkle.com, it's got a link to his uh, book, 100-Yard Journey, that he wrote with Dave Matter in the forward by Nick Saban. Coach, good evening. How are we doing? I'm doing good. Doing good. You know what, Coach, I was looking forward to, uh, I always look forward to these conversations, but I was looking forward to to your thoughts on this Missouri-LSU game. What a wild shootout. And we talked, you know, last week about Connor Basilak getting his chance. You know, his, he did start that game last year against Arkansas, but, you know, his first start this year and how kind of he showed some things against Tennessee we really like. But, man, I tell you, Basilak and this Missouri offense down three wide receivers with COVID, man, he was spectacular in that game. Yeah, I mean, down three wide receivers, you know, it's hard to even, even, you know, imagine that they would have a chance to, to play at a high level as a group just because, you know, the depth chart and, you know, young players behind the, 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 the starters and uh, just what's a great story. I, you know, I, I saw Connor practice, like I told you a, a week or two ago. Um, well, you got to see him practice for a whole practice along with the other quarterbacks and, and, uh, I came away with a feeling that, you know, I, I was kind of intrigued by him, as I mentioned a week ago, that it seemed like he had some good accuracy. Uh, 
you know, I played a really good defensive football team, and, and his ability to to maintain his poise in the pocket and is really, really, really exceptional. I mean, wait till he gets good at it. You know, he's only a redshirt freshman, or if he's got that extra year, he's a true freshman. Yeah. But um, I think he showed a lot of things. He, you know, he had young receivers. He he was accurate in his throws. Um, made made a lot of yards. And I also think we saw a big glimpse of uh, Coach Eli's. Uh, Offensive kind of the kind of what he wants to be on offense, his philosophy, because you know he looked uh, you know like Coach Andy Reid a little bit, man. He has, he had plays going off of different plays, and I was really impressed with that. So I mean, I, I think we you know um, Coach Drinkwitz is a guy that's known for his offense, you know, being a coordinator also in developing quarterbacks, and if that's a glimpse of what his offense is and what it's going to be, uh, it's that's really really exciting. Yeah, I think it finally came together. You know, Connor Bazelak, 29-34, just shows that accuracy and poise. But, you know, Coach Drinkwitz was able to do what he wanted down the receivers that we talked about. And for Connor Bazelak, you know, he's a redshirt freshman, you know, down three three big-time targets for Missouri in the passing game. And they, they don't use an excuse. They just go out and perform. And I, I, I think that really stands out. You know, Coach Drinkwitz didn't have, you know, full throttle. We talked about this year is going to be a challenge. You're going to lose guys. That's just part of it. You have to accept it. But it really showed me, you know, in, in these kind of situations against the defending national champion, I mean, that's the other thing. You know, here's, here's LSU Tigers. I know they lost 14 guys in the NFL, but it's still LSU. You know, and Connor making his first start this year. I just, I think when you put all those factors in there and the confidence that, that, that Connor displayed, and the running game was great too, 180 yards rushing the ball and drinkwitz. But when you put everything together, it kind of makes this win even more important. Yeah, I, I, you know, Roundtree, I think that was a, that's a really good point, too, is when you have a young quarterback and you have some other receivers, you know, for us to be able to get a, a ground game going, you know, I think Roundtree really, you know, I just, he's a very mature player. He's played. He's, he's kind of, you know, I think he sets the tone a little bit about for the toughness of that, that offensive football team. And uh, certainly uh, it had its, uh, you know, uh, I just really felt like we, we saw uh, there's some execution going on. I think, the design of a lot of things he did to get players open and to get rid of the ball and do some, not trickery, but try to create some confusion for their defense. Um, uh, it, and then see a young quarterback have to handle all that stuff too. Uh, it really is exciting, you know, for the future. And, and now what they got to do, the most tough, when you win a game like that, the toughest game is going to be your next game. Now, so we're not going to play this week, but yeah. the point being is you're not going to sneak, there's nobody, nobody's going to be sneaking up on anybody anymore. I think mean, LSU didn't want to be here. I think they well, we got to go up there and we're going to get after them. We're going to get after these guys, and you know they've been struggling all the time. And and you know we you know because of the uh, hurricane, you know they had to come up, and yep. uh, and then all of a sudden, just <laughs> uh, an incredible finish. And obviously we can't we can't uh, uh, leave the defense out. We really did a lot of great things against a good a good football team, and obviously one of the great goal line stands ever, probably in the history of the University of Missouri. Yeah, I was going to talk to you about that, Coach. You know, we talked about the offense, and it was a shootout in this game. But really, you know, the the best sequence was that that four stops on the goal line uh, against an LSU offense that was getting some confidence in that game. Miles Brennan did have 430 yards in that game. I think the LSU rushing game is much different. The Clyde's not there uh, this year. He's with the Chiefs. But, man, you know, to, to, to show up and stop that team in that situation four straight times – that stuff doesn't show up in the box score. When you look at it, you're just going to say, hey, Missouri beat LSU. But, man, it came down to that defense stepping up at the right time. 
Yeah, you talk about pressure on. You talk about throwing some pressure. Oh, my goodness. So, you know, I, I, I think, first of all, when you look at that, you know, you, 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 I don't really know about LSU's short yardage offense or goal line offense. I thought they were doing some things that uh, was almost not – it was a little bit arrogant that, you know, we don't have to have a power offensive personnel and yeah. we'll just blow you up the line of scrimmage. We're going to score. Well, that didn't happen. In fact, in between the tackles, we pushed, we pushed their centers and guards and the – in, in, in one and a half of their tackles, back a yard and a half in the backfield. I mean, I was so impressed with that. I mean, I was so impressed because you know they're always really good up front, and I think that's where the whole thing started. And you know, you know, as, as, as each play went, the pressure became bigger and bigger, and and the Missouri Tigers and you know defensive players handled that. Um, I just think it was really a, a, a great, a great goal line stand, and and we out physical them. Uh, and that's kind of hard to do, but we did, and, and, and crunch time. The Vanderbilt game this weekend is canceled because of some COVID at Vanderbilt, and the next opponent for Missouri will be the University of Florida. Uh, they had an outbreak, and they had their game canceled uh, this weekend as well, so we started to see some cancellations in the SEC. But, Coach, I was watching. Uh, I don't know if you got a chance to watch any of that uh, alabama old Miss game. Mm-hmm. And it was the high, it was the highest scoring game in SEC history, the most yardage, and we you know Missouri forty five to forty one, but one hundred and seventeen points scored. You, you don't see Alabama involved in games where one hundred and seventeen points are scored, and thirty three points was the average uh, scoring uh, for teams in the SEC last week. And the re- remarkable thing was Mississippi State had two points, and they have that the air raid. They're known as a high scoring team. But Nick Saban was asked by Dennis Dodds of CBS after the game about defenses and what we're seeing in college football. And I thought Nick Saban, who who wrote the foreword uh, of your book, I, I love the response. I even went back and listened to it and cut it out and used it on my show because he was talking about it's hard to stop college offenses right now. And we see all the college football formations in the NFL now. I mean, the NFL teams are copying college football left and right, but the creative minds – uh, using space, utilizing every space between between white line and white line, and I think Nick Saban's right. I mean, this isn't you know this isn't the way you know football was played in the past. It is a real challenge now to stop uh, these offenses. To me, the the advantage in college football is the offense, and we see it even now in the SEC. Well, for Nick, you know, the defensive guy. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, to be honest, and you know, I, I agree with them. Uh, you know, I, I also think um, it could be a little bit of personnel. You know, we, we, our league is so good up front that's kind of you know kind of separates from us every, all the other power, power five leagues. Um, but I think with his with with the um, physicalness and um, with the uh, offenses that that we're seeing and the formation in and. And the other thing too is, you know, they, the NFL uses all the spread stuff, which I never thought you'd be able to do it. So we're doing it. We got people shifting, people motioning, people all over, and and it's it's very very well designed, and obviously it's causing a lot of uh, frustration on the side of defensive coordinators. Um, but I think it'll. I think the defense will catch up. Well, but maybe the SEC defense is not defenses in general are not as good as they've been in the past this year. I read an article uh, somewhere about two days ago, and they said they, they were questioning the SEC's defensive personnel and how powerful numbers-wise and numbers in our league, how awesome it is, uh, that we just might be off a little bit. You know, time's going to tell how that happens. But, 
it's kind of interesting too that you know we generally we you play probably three non-conference games before you play your conference games. So you got a chance to really improve and get better, you know, by trying yeah. as, as you go on. And right now, you know, we're right in league. You know, we go right in it. We don't play anybody else. So we're beating each other up all the time. And probably it's a little more difficult, uh, you know, to get going a little bit, maybe, uh, and maybe play your best. And uh, but anyway, I, I agree with you. It's uh, some of the things that are happening in offense. And the neat thing about it, with our head football coach, I think he's, I think he's one of those kind of guys that he's gonna, he's gonna be known for being one of a head coach and also a great coordinator in calling plays. And uh, and he's got we got a young quarterback that, that if he can play that type of consistency, uh, oh gosh, it's uh, looks pretty exciting. It, it, it makes sense though too. You think about you know there was questions about Mahomes because he comes from an air raid system at Texas Tech. Yeah. Would that translate yeah. to the NFL? Obviously, he has. He's got an MVP in in a Super Bowl. You know, guys, uh, Kyler Murray's size were never drafted. You know, ten years ago, and he turns out he looks like he's going to be a fine player. Of course, he ran that system at Oklahoma. And I watched that documentary with Nick Saban and uh, Bill Belichick when they were sitting down there and talking football. And, you know, Belichick admitted he borrowed something from Alabama offensively to run in the NFL. And we see the RPOs. Heck, we even see the option mixed in in the NFL right now. But uh, it just it might have been the other way around there for a while where college was kind of watching what the NFL teams are doing. But, man, the NFL is a lot like watching college football. Yeah, not anymore. It's a. And I think it's exciting for the fans. I think it gets frustrating a little bit for, you know, you know, fans too. You know, when, when their defense is out there and they get moved all, all they're throwing a lot, all over the field and, and scoring points. But uh, it, we'll we'll see where where it settles down. I mean, uh, this is good. It's just such a year of change. Every everything is different, and I think that the teams that in leagues that can that can handle. The, oh, by the way, you're not playing this week. We're going to have to redo this game yeah. down the road. And so, you know, your normal game week preparation you normally do is out and you're doing something else. Well, that's all part of what they're going to have to do, um, you know, to stay poised and, and to continually focus on trying to become a better football team. And I think that's what Eli certainly is, is doing. Um, but I also think that not playing non-conference games kind of, kind of hurts everybody a little bit because you, kind of, you kind of get the, the cobwebs out and everything else like that. Yeah, I think you're right, Coach. I think that does matter. Also, I think not playing preseason football in the NFL hurt as well with some of these rookies that didn't get the, you know the nerves and everything you know shaken off that to, to, you know to go your right straight playing in the NFL. So I think both teams, I think uh, NFL and college football, will be looking at this year as one of challenges. Those that can overcome it are the ones winning uh, for sure. Coach, always enjoy the conversation. Of course, you can check out Coach Pinkle's book, The Hundred Yard Journey, uh, written by Dave Matter, the forward, as I mentioned. Uh, with Nick Saban, but uh, it's a great story. GaryPinkle.com, of course, coaches involved in a lot of other things with this foundation as well. Anything's coming up this way? I know COVID's kind of probably slowed down, you know, what you can do with functions and everything else, but uh, anything else in the works? No, I just kind of, you know, I'm excited about playing, you know, watching football. I, I get it. You know, the, the big game is. Uh, uh, Georgia is going to be playing Alabama tonight, and, and guess what? My friend Nick Saban is uh, coaching right now. So, yeah, <laughs> I guess he's doing a some, some type of a Zoom thing they've set up for him in practice, where he can kind of you know watch it, watch at home what's going on. So, uh, all that drama, man. But, but this is the year of drama. As I said earlier, you've got to be able to learn how to stay focused, and really, it's a test of one's focus to be able to play your best because things have, have, will never ever again change 
daily like they're changing right now. Uh, so it'll, it'll be interesting. Well, Steve Sarkeesian's running the things uh, for Alabama with Nick. I am curious about one thing. Will there be a way for Nick Saban to be sitting in his man cave with a direct line to Steve Sarkeesian during the game? Because that's got to be tough on Nick. Uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm, first of all, first of all, I think you're going to have to probably find out by NCAA rules is that you're, that you're permitted to do that. Yeah. And and maybe maybe they are. Maybe I'm off base. But nowadays you got to check on everything. Yeah. But there's certainly nothing wrong. You could sit there and and, and have a headset on. Yeah. And be on a phone call, and be able to talk, and and he can make some of the things. And I I I why would you not allow that? That's that's what I would say. <laughs> um, but again, it's change. Yeah. We, we have no idea what's going to happen, and. Uh, but, uh, you know, our kids are going to make through it. And, and uh, you know, good news is uh, we'll get through this one these days. He could be the first ever coach to win a top five game from his recliner. <laughs> yeah, that'd be good. Or what I would do maybe if I were him, I would, I would get in a helicopter and just cover <laughs> over the top yeah, with a big set of binoculars and then have it shoot up the image on a 18 by 18 foot screen or something like that. So Yeah, we'll get back soon with Alabama. Coach, always a great conversation. Thanks a million. Okay, Jay, thank you. Thank you. There you go, Coach Gary Pinkle talking about Missouri. Now time to turn our attention to the University of Kansas with Alex Gold next. You're listening to Rush the Field with Jay Binkley, 610 Sports Radio. Welcome back to Rush the Field. I'm Jay Binkley. We've heard from John Kurtz talking about Kansas State. We heard from Coach Gary Pinkle talking about the University of Missouri. And we'll hear from Alex Gold to talk about the University of Kansas. You know, Julio, I kind of feel like that flow from Progressive commercial when they challenged her not to talk about insurance, and she did. Like, this has been incredibly difficult not to talk about Le'Veon Bell. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, like, I almost feel like that commercial, like I have to throw it in there. You know what I'm saying? Good evening, Alex. What, we're not going to talk Bell? I thought that's actually why you were having me on tonight. No, we're talking Hawk. You know, Thursday night means talk Hawk. We don't have to worry about halftime, but uh, obviously. You know, I had to, had to warn people. I said, you know, I'm going to be talking college football here, but I had an hour to talk about Le'Veon Bell before the college football show. But uh, since you're here, Alex, and of course you can hear Alex on Cody and Gold 10 to 2, and they'll be talking talking some Bell tomorrow. But uh, I'm pretty excited about this one, Alex. Yeah, no, I am as well. I mean, look, nobody knows ultimately how this thing is going to turn out. And, I, you know, ultimately the numbers haven't come out contract-wise, but when you look at uh, potentially kind of where the dollar figures can be, it's a low-risk, high-reward type of signing. I really don't know how you could be against it. I'm not saying he's going to come in and, and, and light the world on fire, but I don't know how you really could be against the signing. The roster got better today for Kansas City. It's as simple as that. And best-case scenario, he comes out and, and does look like the guy from three years ago. See, I couldn't go an hour without talking about Le'Veon Bell. I knew I couldn't do it. I knew, knew I couldn't do it. It's what, 8.55 at night. I, you know, I, I couldn't do it. Let's talk some Hawk. All right, Les Miles had COVID, was out last week. It actually good timing for Kansas because they had a bye week. It appears he'll probably be on the sideline Saturday. I haven't heard anything different. They've kind of kept this thing quiet, but I, I fully expect Miles to be in Morgantown, West Virginia. That's the expectation. Uh, Jeff Long, Kansas Athletic Director, uh, did it and said he was on a video call yesterday with and Les is, you know, symptoms are minor, is feeling a lot better. Les Miles is upbeat and he was very quick to point out that this isn't a decision that's gonna be made by Les Miles or even Jeff Wall. This is something that they're not cutting any corners. It's gonna be a medical decision with their uh, Kansas team health doctors and also the personal physician of Les Miles and you know, Friday tomorrow will be ten days since those first symptoms appeared for Les Miles, and so you kind of look at all, you know, the guidelines that exist with COVID that we've all become familiar with, and 
you know, that puts him in a position where he should be able to get on the team flight uh, tomorrow to Morgantown for all of a sudden a, a big noon kickoff on, on Fox. So that's How about that? Big time. You had Je- Gus Johnson, Joe Klatt, talking hawk against West Virginia that's 2-1. and one. They're one loss to Oklahoma State. Uh, Kansas has faced Oklahoma State, too. They're kind of in the um, bird's eye seat in the Big 12. They were picked second in the Big 12. Oklahoma State was to win it. No, Kansas State will have something to say about that. They play them in a couple of weeks here. But it looks like Miles My- Kendrick, Les Miles, had mentioned during his radio show that it might take uh, the, the freshman, the true freshman, Jalen Daniels, a bit to get back, so it looks like uh, some Miles Kendrick against West Virginia. Yeah, he's going to be the guy. You remember, you know, we talked last week about it was kind of interesting. Miles Kendrick played week one in the loss to Coastal Carolina. It was him and Thomas McVitie who were splitting, you know, the duties there. And, you know, it was two touchdown, one interception performance. There was actually some glimpses there for Miles Kendrick. And what was bizarre, as we discussed, you know, last week was, well, was Jalen Daniels the true freshman that when McVitie wasn't available, they gave the nod to him, not Miles Kendrick, which seemed kind of odd, honestly, if you consider why wasn't if that was like, why wasn't Daniels getting the split week one of the season? So here we are now. We fast forward. Daniels not available. Uh, McVitie's been dealing with some injury as well, and so Miles Kendrick's got a chance here to show uh, what, what he can bring to the table. He's been in two games so far this year, and look at this point, Bink, you know, anything better than what they have had? It's been a struggle to say the least offensively to get anything going. And they'll have a chance to, to maybe at least put together a better showing to get some momentum, if at all possible, on the, the back end of this season. As you said, they haven't picked up a win on the season. They're coming off a bye week. Yes, the less miles thing is something that could potentially sidetrack you a little bit, but you, you would hope a week or so for Miles Kendrick. I'm assuming he's known he's been the starter for, for a lot longer than we have. So maybe they've got something in some prep here that they get them off to a much better start, at least in this game. But and, and we know they only show up, Alex, for one game. And, of course, next week we'll be yeah. talking about the Sunflower Showdown. I appreciate your time, my friend. You got it, man. There you go, Alex Gold. Hear him daily, 10 to 2, Cody and Gold. Big thanks to John Kurtz, who does Faithful to Our Colors podcast on the 435 Podcast Network about Kansas State. Alex Gold does Waving the Wheat podcast on the 435 Podcast Network. And, of course, thanks to Coach Gary Pinkle for his insight as he gives us each and every week. And a huge thanks to Julio Sanchez producing the operation. This has been Rush to Field. Good night. Best go in the morning, 558. See you guys then. You're listening to Rush the Field with Jay Binkley, 610 Sports Radio.